This podcast contains adult language and mature themes, which may not be suitable for all listeners. So listen at your own fucking risk. to Essential NPCs, the podcast where we sample some of the best and possibly some of the worst tabletop RPGs. I'm Tommy. And I'm Addie. And you're listening to Series 2, Episode 12, Mr. Johnson. What? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's kick it off with some announcements. Uh, final reminder, we are headed to Gen Con this upcoming weekend. Yes. So if you're going to be at Gen Con... Uh, hit us up. Uh, come find us, play a game with us. Maybe we'll run an ad hoc uh, game. No tickets necessary. Ooh. And uh, if you're following us on Instagram or Twitter, you better believe we're going to be throwing all sorts of stuff up on social media, uh, depicting our fun time that we're having at our very first Gen Con. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Also, in addition to that, uh, we want to remind everybody that we are taking submissions for... Uh, questions for the post-game chatter segment at the end of this series. Uh, Post-game chatter is where we get together as a cast uh, after we're done recording the finale and chat about things like how we feel about the campaign in general. And then we answer questions from the listeners. So uh, if you submit a question to post-game chatter... We will answer it. Yeah, so keep sending those. Send them. Uh, you can send them to our email at fanmail at essentialnpcs.com or on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, our Patreon uh, wall if you are a Patreon supporter, or on our SoundCloud comments. And while you're thinking about that, we will jump into words with the GM. Hello. Hello, GM. Hello. This words with the GM is about episode 11 a man without honor. There are a couple men without honor in this episode. Mostly Mikhail, but a little bit Boomer. And Kashmir <laughs> claims to not have honor. Um, um, yeah, uh, this was a fun, uh, a fun little uh, resolution to uh, Boomer's backstory uh, slipping in. Yeah, that came back to bite us, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, one of my favorite things to do as a GM is to uh, is to incorporate. Uh, the players' backstories uh, into the campaign as much as possible. And um, I knew when we were going into this that Boomer's backstory was definitely going to come into play heavily because he, uh, at character creation, took the negative quality wanted, um, which uh, is a negative quality where a certain party has put a bounty on your head and you are pretty much guaranteed to run into people who are looking to collect on that bounty. Um, so I knew that some bounty hunters were going to come after him. Uh, and I decided to make it uh, less the Vori really pushing for this bounty and more his, uh, his betrayed master um, who like holds a grudge. <laughs> so sometimes, uh, backstories come into play heavily, like, like boomers does here where it like becomes a problem that the entire party has to deal with. And other times people's backstories get hinted at more so than anything else. Um, like take like cashmere, for instance, cashmere in, in the first couple of episodes, if you remember had, um, uh, sort of a correlation between what we were doing and what had happened to him. And so it sort of touched on it, but it wasn't so, you know, very much like, oh, people from your backstory are shooting at you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, it's always fun to find different ways to tie people's backstories and uh, however will work with the story that I'm also trying to tell. Yeah, and as a player, when your backstory becomes like a key moment or uh, is featured, it can be um, a really fulfilling experience and it can also be a little harrowing. Like, oh my gosh, is this going to be, are we all going to die because of the things that I decided at character creation? (laughs) But uh, I always appreciate it when a GM brings my backstories into a game because you take a long time to sort of figure out who your character is and where they came from and then to have it pulled in in one way or another into the campaign that you're in makes it feel like your story and and it becomes a shared experience. Um, your story is the way that people can connect. Yeah, well, that's the the hallmark of a, of a successful campaign in my eyes is if everyone walks away from it feeling like that was their story. Like you walk away from this campaign being like, you know what, this story was about Mouse. And at the same time, Dan walks away saying, yeah, this story was Bumble's story. You know, I like, if I can, if I can achieve that, then I feel like I've done well. And, and it works for me too. Like if I walk away as a GM being like, yes, I told the story I wanted to tell. Like if everyone can walk away feeling like this whole thing was theirs, mm-hmm. that means it was a true like, successful uh, it was a successful campaign in that everyone contributed uh, and felt fulfilled um, with the character that they were playing in this story so I think it's working out so far <laughs> so far you've hit two out of four so keep going <laughs> um, and with that we should keep going into our favorite moments mm. so what was your favorite moment uh, I would say my favorite moment was being Mikhail a little bit. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, mostly just because I, I feel like uh, I got a, I got some good jabs with him against Boomer. Like you, re- I felt like it was satisfying to be like just like a villain. <laughs> Overall, it was just satisfying to be like the bad guy. Up until now, you guys hadn't really run into anyone who was just like definitively like a bad person. And mm-hmm. so it was it was fun to do that with Mikhail and just kind of be this like dude who's like in this prisoner situation is like, yeah, whatever. I'm not intimidated by you guys at all. Just talk to me. Like, mm-hmm. what do you want? Convince me to help you. <laughs> there, there wasn't much to it. It was just a satisfying thing personally. How about you? What about uh, uh, your favorite part? Um, My favorite part was actually sort of the entire episode concept. Uh, This arc of like being attacked by Boomer's past and then sort of um, coming together as a group. And and it's where sort of we had been asked to be to run as a team uh, previously. And we were like, yeah, sure. All right. But we were really just a bunch of runners who had agreed to like work together because it seemed mutually beneficial. But this was the point where we became a team because there wasn't necessarily a a reward that was going to come out of this. This was Boomer is under fire and he needs us. We're going to take care of it. Um, And my favorite moment is uh, the one where the team comes together and is a team, you know, instead of just a bunch of runners who work together. You're like one big happy family now. One big happy family of murderers. (laughs) But yeah, so that was my favorite moment. Uh, All right. Well, with that, I suppose we should move on forward. 
to listen to Series 2, Episode 12, Mr. Johnson. Enjoy! Hi, I'm Mouse. I'd tell you all about me, except I don't remember it. The first thing I can remember is waking up in Doc's clinic a year and a half ago. Doc's a big, scary-looking troll, but he saved me from dying that night and took me in. Really, he's a big softie. I mean, he's not soft, but he's nice. And since he took me in, he's kind of felt like my dad, if I had a dad, which I don't, I don't think. But I do have a little sister, Sierra, and that's where things get complicated. I didn't even know she existed until Doc brought her to the clinic. He told me that a man died to save her from wherever she was and that we had to hide her away. It cost a lot of money that I didn't have, and I'm pretty sure that Doc called in a lot of favors to make her safe. I've always owed Doc for making me a part of his family, but now I owe him a lot more. I wasn't sure how I was going to pay him back until recently. That's when I found out about the Matrix, and I just get it. It's so fun to go in and fly around and break the rules, and apparently that's what makes a good decker. And I'm a really good decker. So now I've got a way to pay Doc back for saving me and Sierra by shadow running. He isn't too happy about it, but he would never tell me what I can't do. And even though I'm bad at telling what people are thinking or feeling, I like to think that sometimes when I come back from a successful run, he's proud of me. I was born Edwin Corvo, a dryad, but you can call me by my street name, Bumbles. I spent much of my life in England evading the ire of my father. I earned it first for mum's death and childbirth, which to this day, I contend is much more his fault than mine. When I turned 18, he put me to work in his factory, so he could both keep an eye on and berate me. Unfortunately for him, my attempts to upgrade the assembly line resulted in a large explosion, completely wrecking the factory. I decided to flee to the countryside where I ended up at a small university. There I made the friends I never had as a child, but presenting myself as a fellow student got out of hand and I ended up unofficially attending university for the next three years. That is until another experiment of mine went awry and I accidentally detonated the entire chemistry department. Knowing this would draw the attention of my father, I quickly left the country. My expeditious retreat put me in debt, however, and I was put to work as a shadow runner to pay it off. Turns out, I'm quite the talented rigger, and folks now pay me to blow things up. I'm meeting interesting people, making friends, and acquiring more money than I could have ever dreamed of. I got my own car. I was even able to soup it up a bit. My only regret is that I didn't come to Seattle sooner. Oh, um, hi. My name is Sora Matasara, uh, but on the streets I go by Kashmir. Uh, I'm a 20-year-old human living in the Bellevue neighborhood of Seattle. Uh, I grew up in Japan, tutored in magic at the insistence of my... my father, uh, a higher-up at Mitsuhama Computer Technologies. Uh, it wasn't the best time in my childhood. Between my mother leaving us and uh, the rigorous magical tutoring provided by my father's company, as well as well, my father in general, 
At least I always had my spirits. Um, I didn't get to have any real metahuman friends growing up, but my spirits were all the friends I needed. Eventually, I wanted to take my magic and my spirits and, and test them on the streets, but my very first run went very horribly wrong, and I had to leave Japan. But now I'm here in Seattle, uh, going on runs, doing karaoke with my spirits, uh, just living the life. Oh, and why Kashmir? Uh, well, it gets quite chilly at night, and apparently I'm the only person in the shadows who recognizes the value of a good cardigan. <laughs> Their loss. Hoi, chummers. They call me Puma. Not sure if it's because I'm an Aussie or if it has something to do with my work. Nah. Anyway, my job's to either shoot Drek, chop it up, or break into it. <laughs> You'd be surprised how stealthy a big red Oni can be. Now, I've gone and pissed off the Vori, my former employers, so I've been keeping a low profile. A Yakuza boss I hate to kill, Yama, is now my best friend and fixer. Long story there, mate. He's been keeping me busy, finding me work, keeping the Vori off me back. Thanks, mate. I may be on the run, but I enjoy getting to be my own man. So, it's time to raise some hell and geek some hoops. Look out, Seattle. It's Boomer time! When we last left our team of Shadowrunners, uh, they had gotten into a fight with uh, some bounty hunters uh, who had kidnapped Bumbles in order to get to Boomer. Uh, these bounty hunters were hired from a man named Mikhail, uh, who was Boomer's mentor and trainer uh, in the Vori, uh, the Russian mob that Boomer used to work for. They dispatched the bounty hunters and got their hands on some cool new gear um, and then set to um, seek out uh, Mikhail uh, to try and get him off of Boomer's back. Uh, they sent him a message as the bounty hunters, convincing him to meet, uh, saying that the job was done. Uh, they then ambushed him, uh, took off his leg with a very well-aimed sniper shot, and loaded him up into the car, knocked him out, and he woke up tied to a chair and blindfolded in Bumble's safe house in Redmond. They then took to questioning Mikhail, uh, upon learning through some of his messages to the bounty hunters that he, in fact, has had a run-in with an organization called Havoc 66, who they had heard of before and wanted to learn more about. Um, they also mentioned to uh, their recent employer, Pretty B, that they were doing this, and Pretty B seemed to have some rather strong feelings about Havoc 66. He warned them not to get involved with Havoc 66 if they could help it, um, and did offer to pay them a little bit if they learned some information from Mikhail that Pretty B did not already know about the organization. Uh, they interrogated Mikhail, who seemed to know a little bit about the organization, specifically about its leader, Hellion, um, a strange man who wears a motorcycle helmet with a creepy, drippy, yellow smiley face spray-painted on it. Once they were finished talking to Mikhail, uh, the team promised to let him go for all of the information they g he gave them. And then things got 
rather sad very quickly as uh, <laughs> Boomer um, revealed how truly traumatized he was uh, from this man and uh, his time spent with this man. And uh, he took a hit of kamikaze and uh, lost it enough to uh, beat Mikhail into a bloody pulp with his bare hands. Um Bumbles and Mouse left as this was happening uh, to go get some ice cream to feel better about life. Uh, Cashmere stayed and consoled Boomer um, after he was finished. And that's where we pick up. So uh, Mouse and Bumbles, you guys pull back up uh, from... You went to a, a stuffer shack and got some soy cream. Uh, and you pull up to the safe house. Should we wait for them to come out, or do we go in? I don't know the protocol on this. Why is there protocol? Fair. <laughs> I'm. I'm just. I think I'm just going to wait for them to come out, and I uh, continue eating my moose tracks out of my waffle cone. <laughs> <laughs> nice. The ice cream that we brought them is going to melt, so I guess I'll. Go in and get them. Okay. Okay. I bring their ice creams. Okay. You are the only person who's able to stuff over the blood uh, blood pool that is for some reason on Bumble's first step into his, uh, unrelated to Mikhail's death at all. Um, there's just this weird puddle of blood on this first step that never goes away. And, uh, you managed to ju- just step over it. Like it's nothing. Uh, so far, no one else has been able to achieve that. <laughs> um, uh, and then you enter the room and you see, uh, Boomer is there covered in blood. Um, so is Kashmir. And there is a uh, sheet laying over um, what you presume is what remains of the chair in Mikhail. Um, and this sheet is a dark color, but it is also wet. <laughs> uh, so I'll come down the stairs. Are they, like, hugging? What's going on? Yeah, what are you guys doing? I imagine they're sitting there talking about their similar pasts. And- sure. Yeah, I think so. Sitting on the edge of... Uh, the couch uh and as far off the edge as we can yeah (laughs) uh they just seem to be talking like in hushed voices as you show up um so i come down the stairs hi hey mouse i brought ice cream do you want some it's for you boomer uh boomer smiles at her you know what i think i'll have some ice cream yes thank you so much mouse so i give them their ice creams and what flavor is it? It's a it's surprise. It's Birdie Bots. <laughs> I don't even care. I know what that means. And uh, he gives her a hug. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. And then she sees your knuckles, and it's like, oh, um, I'm gonna. Does that hurt? I'm gonna. Can I wrap it here? Give me your hand. And I'll take out and start wrapping them with some med kit yeah. gauze stuff. Yeah. You, you successfully heal up the, uh, the stun damage his hands took right. as they pummeled the concrete. Well, the floor. Whatever. It's probably I, concrete under there. Yeah. I think, um, not that this isn't a very nice place, 
but I think maybe it's time to go. Yeah. As as we hear a, a mouse pop and squeal behind us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I should say so. I'll uh, I'll catch up. I got uh, I got one more thing I have to do. Okay, you good, Boomer? Yeah, yeah. I I'm just making a phone call real quick. Sure. We'll meet you up there. Thanks Watch again. that first yeah. step. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You say as you step in it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Mouse, you step over it. These were new. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they vacate the basement, Boomer. I call up Yama. Okay, it rings a couple times. And it clicks on. Hello, Boomer. Oh, Yama. Oh, frag. Uh, so I just had quite the day. Uh, and I, uh, I have a confession to make. I, uh... I acted dishonorably today. How so? Oh, you remember Mikhail, right? My old mentor. Guy sent me to kill you. And we became friends. Yeah, you've mentioned him before, yes. I beat the living dreck out of him. Literally. I beat the man to death. He was tied to a chair. And what concerns me is it didn't even feel wrong. There's a long pause. I'm sorry, Yama. I I can live with disgracing myself, but I never wanted to bring dishonor on you. None of us are perfect. The best we can do is take our mistakes and correct our actions in the future to never repeat them. Do you think you can take a lesson from this? Yeah. Then there's still honor to be found in you. Thanks, Yama. I, uh, Guess I needed to hear that from you. <laughs> it's funny. One of the people I tried to kill ended up being uh, more of a father figure to me than anyone else in my life. Uh, sorry if that was a little forward, but I feel thank similarly you. towards you as well. You, we have a connection, you and I. We have well, a blood I'm glad bond. I could be a father figure too. <laughs> you hear him chuckle. You still owe me a drink. I owe you like seven now. I've been keeping tally. Soon I'll cash in. <laughs> oh, that's going to be a wild night. I look forward to it. As long as I don't have to carry your big ass. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, thanks for the chat, Yama. I, uh, I really do appreciate it, though. I'm always here when you need me. I know. Have a good one. Same to you, Boomer. And uh, I hang up and... Take a bite of my ice cream and go upstairs. It's great. It's really good ice cream. <laughs> Sorry about that. I uh, calling Yama real quick. Uh, I uh, appreciate you all's patience. I'm sorry you had to see that. Um, it's it's fine, Boomer. Still good, Hamid. <laughs> it's noon. <laughs> well, it's Hamid? like. 1.30 in the afternoon. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's 1.30. <laughs> That's much more appropriate time to get hammered. <laughs> Boomer just looks at you. And? I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> where am I driving us? Oh, I think you know just where you're driving us. And I look at Boomer and I say... 
Where am I driving us? <laughs> to our homes to change, and then we're going to spirits and spirits. <laughs> All right, team. Suit up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, I'll do that. You, you drive them home. Mouse, are you going to the clinic? Or are you going... I don't have a change of clothes at either place. It's <laughs> not just what I'm wearing. So, I mean, this... I. I I, I didn't even get dirty. <laughs> yeah, it's a little scuffed from you jumping through the window, but that's it. Oh, no, that was yesterday. I didn't yeah. jump through a window. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm, I'm perfectly clean right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you guys hey, are mouse, driving? Mouse, I actually, uh, I need you to come with me. Okay. We're stopping by a store in uh, Tacoma. Got a surprise for you. Um, and I go to... Uh, uh, Grep and uh, lock them. Yeah, I take her to that store and uh, hoi! Hello, Boomer. Oh, you brought a friend. Yeah, this is the one I had the dress made for. I surmised as much. She's about the right size, so I'm glad I didn't get it wrong. I thought maybe you sent me the wrong size because it was so tiny and it definitely wouldn't fit on you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, I'm glad you came to that conclusion. Uh, young miss, so, this way, please. Try it on. Uh, and they send you, or they hand you a hanging bag. Okay. So uh, you open it up, mm-hmm. and it is a nice dress and versatile. Uh, it could be a ball gown, or it could be just a like going out to a nice place type of dress. It's it could be both. Um, it is strapless. And uh, perfectly fitted to your size. Uh, and its coloration is blue and silver. Silver to match your arm and blue to match your hair. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it goes just a little bit past your knees uh, and stops there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's got a nice, like, sash of a belt um, that uh, hangs, uh, like, by your side. It's knotted and hangs by your side. Is there a pocket for my deck? You check the back, uh-huh. and there is. See, it's classy, but not too classy. Any winks? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I hear that um, over the DNI go, dear God, what did he get hurt? <laughs> what? Um, I have to wear it now? I mean, thank you. I'll make sure it fits. That's Does good- it fit? Um, <laughs> you go into the changing room, mm-hmm. uh, you hang out the bag, you take out the dress. Mm-hmm. It fits perfectly. Mm-hmm. It looks amazing on you. Mm-hmm. And you find in the hanging bag as well, uh, two, uh, shoes, high heels, but not too high. Okay. Should I put the shoes on too? I mean, it help know if they fit. Okay. I put the shoes on. <laughs> All right, and you step out of the dressing room, yep. and everything fits perfectly and looks very good on you. Oh, damn. Do I look uh, okay? I mean, yeah, it looks great. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh. <clears throat> Am I, do I wear it now? Or, uh, 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 it looks uh, bad? No, 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 not at all. <laughs> uh, I mean, you can if you want to. It's... I. Uh, Okay, um, <laughs> cool. Thank, thank you. I'm glad it looks okay. It's weird. I, it's weird. I don't, 
It's well, not as comfy, I think, as how am I supposed to jump through windows <laughs> and other things? I guess I'm not. That's what this is. Okay. Um, it is actually quite comfortable. It's mm-hmm. foreign to you. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Like, I don't know how to, like, the only other time that I've ever worn something like this was the other time we went to Spirits and Spirits. Well, that's why I got you that, so you don't have to, don't have to borrow from your friends. Also, and also, since you've been putting up with my dreck this whole time and I feel bad and uh, especially with back there uh, but so I the mean, timing if, worked out perfect if we did want to go back to your friend and invite her out with us I mean I'm sure that that could be great fun your friend the redhead one the redheaded yeah. one the red red hair the red yeah, hair yeah you should you should bring your friends it's also armored young lady so it will protect you oh, a little cool. bit oh cool I like it also, and... Uh, and did you see it has a pocket for my deck? Yes, I put it in there. Thanks, that was great. It, it doesn't quite fit because I have a new deck. Do you want to see it? I would love to see it. But <laughs> but also, and uh, she goes and uh, kind of presses her... Uh, Grep presses her, uh, her finger against, uh, like, a spot on your back just mm-hmm. below the shoulder blade. Sure. And the blue and silver coloration of this uh, dress mm-hmm. uh, lights up with little stars. Uh-uh. And it, it illuminates. It's so shiny. <laughs> it's like my arm. I like it. Thank you. And then she gives Grep a hug because Gre- she's right there. Grep hugs you back. And then she hugs Boomer. And Lockham's like, that's why we're in this business. Because it <laughs> makes people happy. <laughs> Oh, she puts on her jacket over it. <laughs> yeah, close enough. <laughs> uh, so you now have a nightshade dress. Okay. Um, which is, uh, it's seven armor. How much does it cost? Uh, it's going to cost you nine thousand. So are we go? Are we going out now, or do we do we go pick up everybody? Uh huh. Okay, let's go do that. Yeah, let's. Um, as you guys are heading towards other people's homes... Um, I am keeping my head on a swivel every moment we are outside the suit shop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't realize you guys came with us, all right. Oh, yeah, they were, we were just waiting we outside. Were in the car, yeah. Okay. Um, you get back in the car. Uh, she looks amazing, guys. Uh, oh, mouse. Wow. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> what? Well, What's wrong? Did I spill on it? Oh, it looks... Fantastic. <laughs> it looks wonderful on you. Yeah, you look great, Mouse. Where are we going? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, actually, I do need to stop at home. The nice one is in my closet. <laughs> you drive up there uh, to give... Cashmere can change and you can change. Around that time, you do get a message from P- Pretty B, mm-hmm. all of you. Um, Finally. <laughs> say Asking... Uh, what information you found out. I send to him the information that I basically already sent him. Okay. And, you know, like everything that we learned, which isn't a whole, so like that Hellion is like the leader and nobody's ever seen his face and that you don't contact them, they contact you and they don't seem to be anti-corp so much as anti-everyone and, and that they betrayed, and um, the the drug addict. And um, then, um, yeah, okay. Uh, so there's a brief pause, and then he opens up a call to all of you. Hi. Hello. Um, 
As expected. Mikhail did not have any information that I already didn't have. Well, we don't know. <laughs> Please continue. But I, I, yeah, I like muted myself before. Okay. <laughs> um, but for your troubles, and he sends each of you 10K. Hey. See? Kidnapping on spec. Also, you each receive an additional... Three thousand three hundred thirty-three. <laughs> so you you distribute your share with everyone else, as promised. Okay. I don't accept that. Like Chase, quick pay. <laughs> Decline. I, no. I glare at him. <laughs> so, no, Boomer. I don't. I did, I told you I don't want your money. Also, if you're feeling up to it, uh, I would like to meet with you as soon as possible. Oh, but oh, we're already now? dressed for it. Let's go. Ooh. It's time that you four met my employer. Ooh. We have a great bar. Where would you like us to meet you? He sends you some coordinates. Cool. Ooh, could we go to a different place? No, we Ooh. go to the coordinates our employer <sighs> sends us. <laughs> I try to climb like in the Valkyrie, but I don't fit with a dress on. <laughs> <laughs> so I just climb in the front seat. Uh, this is um, in Bellevue, in the nicest part of Bellevue. Uh, the the coordinates uh, that you were just sent. Um, is they, it walking distance from my apartment? No. Okay. No, you're in a nice part of Bellevue, but you're Not still in a high rise. The nicest. I'm talking multi million dollar mansions. Right. And I assume you two just didn't walk anywhere. Well, sometimes you got to show off the goods. <laughs> um, you start driving that way? Yeah. Well, I mean, everyone's here with me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll, I'll take us to Mansion Town. <laughs> yep. So you guys drive up uh, into the nice part of Bellevue. At this point, it's getting dark, sun setting, because you, you, know, you had to stop at everyone's house. You had to go to the uh, suit shop, and you guys uh, drive on up. Uh, this is a neighborhood where Spot draws some attention. Sure. Not a lot of attention, but a little bit of attention because most of the cars here are luxury vehicles, not functional vehicles. And Spot is very obviously a functional security vehicle. He's sort of a luxury functional security <laughs> vehicle. Um, I feel like I could maybe pass as security for these folks driving Spot here. <laughs> uh, so you guys um, pull up. To the uh, gate of this estate, um, it is uh, marble pillars and tall wrought iron. Uh, the gate itself is shut uh, with a iron uh, W crest um, in the center. Uh, is this familiar to anyone? Does anyone have anything that might... Mouse? Mouse uh, yeah, I think I do. You have... I have area knowledge, Bellevue. I have um, Seattle politics, corporate news. I have. Mm. Um, uh, I have business. You cast which I assumed history. Was and yeah, that's it. Business is business sense. It's like stock, uh, the like stock values of certain companies, stuff like that. Got it. Uh, corporate news is different. I have politics, UCAS. Um, those with politics or corporate news. I have both. Um, so and actually, your business will work for this as well. Neat. Um, all of you can roll a knowledge test. Uh, is this UCAS or just politics? It would be UCAS. Cool. 
Cashmere, what did you roll and what did you get? I rolled business. Okay. I got no hits. Okay. <laughs> uh, Bumbles, what did you roll and what did you get? I rolled politics UCAS with seven hits, which is my limit. <laughs> All right. We'll get to that. Uh, Mouse, what did you roll and what did you get? Um, okay, so five in corporate news. Okay. So, all Kashmir has is, someone here is very good at business. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> so, uh, Mouse, you recognize uh, this symbol, mm-hmm. um, and you realize whose house this is. This house is the estate of one Lawrence Whitmore. Um Oh, this is Lawrence Whitmore's estate. Bumbles, you know that name, and it takes you a second to think about it. Uh, Lawrence Whitmore, as far as you know, Bumbles, Lawrence Whitmore is an extremely, extremely wealthy uh, businessman who is no longer in business. Uh, You know the company was Whitmore Mining Solutions um, that he inherited from his parents, and you know it dissolved somewhat recently. Um, But you know that the Whitmore family, more his parents than him um, have been political figures from time to time um, as far as campaign contributions go. Um, Mouse, you actually know quite a bit about Lawrence Whitmore. You've, you've seen stuff about him on the news um, and you remember it because you and Doc watch that, uh, watch the news all the time. So uh, you're somewhat familiar with who he is. Um, As far as what you know, uh, Whitmore was born into his wealth. His family was already very well off when they had him. He's, by the way, like 70 years old now. So he existed (laughs) pre-awakening. His family made a fortune uh, in the mining business, uh, brokering mining contracts for corporations all the way up to the AAA level. Um, As soon as he was able to walk and talk, uh, he was at board meetings. He was uh, a prominent figure. Um, in the company, uh, they always had him nearby. Um, they just like, he obviously was being groomed to take over the company as soon as he was able to like learn anything. Oh, so he was being taken to board meetings. He was being taken to board meetings. He wasn't, he was a savant showing up as a toddler. No, no, no. Uh, (laughs) he was just, he was being brought to board meetings and like made to observe. And like every time they had like press releases or anything, he was there being made to observe. Um, his parents, uh, Megan and Alexander Whitmore, founded Whitmore Mining Solutions, and that was a company that acted as a mediator uh, when smaller mining corporations were being absorbed by the megas. Um, they basically brokered uh, buyouts, um, as well as buying up uh, mines from people and then selling that uh, those uh, assets to the megas. Um, this did earn his parents a lot of enemies, and uh, you've heard some rumors, um, just because you follow corporate news enough to not just go with what Horizon tells you. Um, Doc tells me not to believe what Horizon right. tells and so me. so Doc has Doc has like kind of told you a bit about this because uh, he he like saw some of this happening, um, basically. Whitmore's family uh, died. His parents died um, in a plane crash that Whitmore was on. They were on a private jet 
traveling between meetings, uh, and they died uh, in the in the crash. And Whitmore survived. He was only ten years old. And in their will, the company uh, was basically set up to operate under the control of the corporate board until Lawrence was of age to take over. Uh, he had to finish his, co- basically when he finished college. And uh, so when he graduated, he did take control of the company and he completely restructured. Uh, he fired everyone on the board except for a few people. Um, and all of these people um, were, it was kind of a scandal. Um, as soon as he took over, he like re, he just fired all these people who were very obviously linked to AAA corporations. Uh, and then uh, he basically became a divisive figure against the mega corporations while still like owning his own corporation, which ran his company into the ground more or less because you can't take on the AAAs like that. And uh, so the company started to die. Um, that's when, uh, when he was 27 years old, uh, he decided to dissolve the company and sell all of the assets. Uh, and then he kind of just like fell out of favor or fell out of, uh, fell out of the public eye. Um, and you, you just have seen some of this because every once in a while the news will bring him up. Uh, he's almost like a joke that they bring up. And the only reason you think that that's probably not true is because Doc says it's a load of dreck. Uh, Doc is like, the Megas shut him out. The Megas did this to him. That man is the only corporate suit with integrity. So like Doc really likes him, and so every time it comes up, he grumbles at the television about how it's lying to yeah, him? Yeah, exactly. Because everyone's like, you know, oh, Lawrence Whitmer was spotted uh, spilling coffee. What an old, you know, geezer. Good thing we got rid of him. Like, he's just like a joke uh, as far as the megacorps are. And yet very clearly still richer than God. Right. He's extremely wealthy still. Uh, <laughs> Doc really likes him. <laughs> you share all that with everybody? Yeah. You pull up to the gates. They open. Cool. I'll drive in. Uh, you drive up a very, very nice driveway through a very, very well-kept, uh, would you call it a, a lawn? It's really big. <laughs> Mega lawn. Grounds. Grounds, yes. That's very, very well-kept grounds. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and uh, you eventually pull into the uh, where the fountain is uh, that you can park the car around. Um, you get out of the car? Yeah, I'll get out. I'll tell Red Leader to keep an eye on Spot. Of course, Bumbles. And also keep an eye on Fox. On? The the new drone I've right, added. Right, right, right. Who's Fox. being groomed for a squadron of right. his own. Right. <laughs> Your new drone, Fox. Yeah. Uh, and he's, of course. Is everybody, like, dressed, like, really well dressed? Or am I, like, Yeah, actually, you guys all well got dressed. all snazzy. You guys all got snazzy before you got the call okay. from Pretty B. Oh, man, this, yeah. is, this is the first chance I've had to do this. So I'll get out. And my suit, which is, like, purple with stars on it, like, mm-hmm. it looks, like, a little bit like space. Like, the colors from the top down just start, like, waving down through a rainbow until it settles on one I feel like. And <laughs> it settles on, like, a silvery with sort of a black tinge. Cool. <laughs> I'm just wearing my, you know, the cashmere. <laughs> okay. I- Boomer gets out and buttons up his jacket and uh, straightens it out and walks in very confidently. Uh, as you guys are approaching the stairs leading to the uh, large uh, patio um, that has pillars holding up a, a, a balcony, 
Um, this is a very large mansion, by the way. This is uh, huge, uh, larger than any of you have seen at, up this close. Um, and uh, you start walking up. Uh, you're you're impressed as well, Cashmere. Yeah, I was, yeah. <laughs> I was about to say. Even I'm just like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, uh, you start walking up to the stairs and the large, uh, ornate doors, uh, leading in open and out walks pretty B. Hey, rad place. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not mine, but, uh, it, it's, it's, it's a pretty nice place. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> uh, he's like, right this way. It's time for you to meet Mr. Whitmore. Sure. Let's go. Cool. Uh, you guys go walking in. Um, uh, there's a very large foyer. Mouse is just looking around and like trying to figure out how much of Redmond could just fit in here. <laughs> and, uh, just there's a large, uh, staircase, winding staircase leading up. Uh, it's pretty much like the castle from Beauty and the Beast from on the inside. <laughs> um, and, uh, he leads you, uh, down into the library. Um, and, uh, you guys walk in. It is a very large library. Um, and with there's paper books with paper books. <laughs> How do you find anything? <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, there's a large chair facing the fireplace and sitting in that chair is a man with his back to you. The pretty boy walks up about halfway through the room and stops. And he says, Mr. Whitmore, I've brought them. And the man does not stand up. He instead turns in the chair as it is a wheelchair. Um, He is 70 years old, which is very old for the sixth world. Um, But his face is strong. And despite the fact that he is obviously bound to this wheelchair, he looks fit. Uh, He's got broad shoulders and seems like a a overall, uh, like, is in decent health, um, even though he's so uh, old. And he's wearing a um, smoking jacket and an ascot. Uh, and uh, he looks at you. And he looks... First off, he, he grins as he takes in your clothes. And he says, you didn't have to dress up for me. We didn't. <laughs> we were going to go out. And then we had to come here. What? We are, we are a professional group. <laughs> I'm aware. Bryn here has been keeping me apprised of your... <laughs> I knew it! <laughs> your accomplishments so far. I had hoped that I would have more time to evaluate your performances in the field before bringing you in. However, recent events have forced our hand. Uh, Bryn, would you prepare the hub while I try to catch our friends up to speed? And Bryn uh, nods and uh, uh, turns to leave. And he looks at Mouse and goes, by the way, that dress looks amazing on you. Hey, yo. Boomer bought it for me. Excellent taste, Boomer. And he goes walking out. It chimes. Wait, you didn't. (laughs) (laughs) No, he saw it. He goes, please, take a seat. And he gestures to uh, four large armchairs also circled around the fireplace and a chessboard. I'll go sit down. Okay. Uh, you all sit down, and uh, he wheels the chair back around to look at you. I'm Lawrence Whitmore, and any of you who follow corporate news may recognize me, or at least my name. 
I brought you here to explain to you that my public image is exactly that. It's an illusion I've crafted to hide my true purpose. I learned at a very young age the true extent of corporate greed and the lengths that those in power are willing to go to to secure what they want. They took the life of my parents and eventually ruined my life for the most part as well. But I have met many people along the various AAA ladders that are decent people. However, those at the top have always adhered to the same policy, that the ends justify the means. Collateral damage is little more than a negotiable expense as far as the mega corporations are concerned. And what makes it worse is that most people in our, and he pauses, your line of work seem to justify the same type of mentality in their practices. There's too many people that don't give more than a moment's thought to the people that their actions can hurt. Megas, gangs, shadowrunners alike. Once a person or collection of persons reach a certain height of power, they begin to gain what they want over the bodies of those that didn't have it coming. We saw this in Redmond with the ghouls. Now I try to stop the megas wherever I can. Whether it be in the back rooms of corporate business parties or out there in the shadows. Problem is, a while back, and he touches his leg, I learned that this was a fight we can't truly win. But what we can do is help those that would otherwise be ground up in these larger machinations. Empathy. Very few in this world have it, which is why the four of you caught my eye. I want you four to work for me. Brin's in my operation is one that can provide you opportunities to make a difference in the shadows. I'll I use my connections with the mega corporations, and Bryn uses his talents to cross-reference cross what I hear and confirm them in the shadows. And then we send the four of you in to resolve the situation. I'm in. Uh, sir, uh, I'm, uh, I kind of murder people for a living. Not sure if I really fit in to your vision. It's like Bryn said to you, no one of you is being evaluated as an individual. It is what you can achieve as a group that sets you apart from other Shadowrunners. Checks and balances, my friend. I'll remember that, class. <laughs> <laughs> so we're sort of counter-Shadowrunners. Not so much countering Shadowrunners. You exist to help those that no one else would take a moment to care for. Okay. Um, why is there a hurry? There's an organization out there. You've not encountered them directly, but you've started to get close to them. Havoc 66. They effectively are the exact opposite of everything Bryn and I stand for. Oh, we thought they were anti-corporation. They're anti-life. Oh, well, okay, yes. The man in charge... He is an extremely troubled individual. And in his mind, the human race is more or less a pestilence. And he's more than happy to do whatever it takes to 
ruin the status quo, as it were. While I will agree that the status quo is less than ideal, there are still good people. Not everyone deserves to die. Havoc 66 does not share this belief. And they're a very perceptive organization. With the four of you beginning to pry into their nature, your ties to me would be revealed, and they would come after you. So we decided it was in your best interest and our best interest to bring you in so that you can at least know what you might die for. All right. Do you know who he is? Who? Elian. He uh, looks into the fireplace for a minute, then his eyes glance uh, pass down to uh, the chessboard in front of him. I don't know him anymore. Who? Wait, how did you used to know him? That's a story for another night, perhaps, Mouse. Okay. And he looks genuinely crestfallen at whatever thoughts were just going through his head. Well, I think I speak for everyone when I say we're on board. When do we start? Bryn has been preparing a job for the four of you. As far as we're concerned, it's a job worth doing despite the new dangers of your presence possibly being known by Havoc 66. So you start soon. Within a couple weeks, the operation will be prepared and ready. We'll have all the information we need. Is there anything else we could do to help out? Perhaps part of the operation planning? Uh, Bryn can give you the details that he has so far. I'll show you to the hub. I have a, a sort of related question. You've clearly done your research on all of us. Yes. Um, I know a guy named Jerry. (laughs) (laughs) He sort of fits the exact bill of the people you're looking to protect. The last time I talked to him, um, he said he was going to go talk to his corporate masters. And now I have not heard from him in several weeks. (laughs) Do you know what happened to Jerry? <laughs> I'm genuinely very curious. No, I, I don't know this man, Jerry. What corporation does he work for? Uh, MCT. Okay. Mitsuhama. He takes a glance at Kashmir. <laughs> Kashmir looks away bashfully. I don't know what happened to your friend, but I believe Bryn could find out. That would be great. And I have some contacts in, contacts in Mitsuhama that may be of use. Thank you. This way, to the hub. And uh, he presses the controls on his wheelchair, turns it around, and it starts heading towards uh, the hall. We follow. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, leaves, uh, it leaves the library, goes down the hall um, into basically a study. Um, it's a nice desk, uh, more books, paper books. I don't understand. Drag all these things. <laughs> <laughs> Um, books, but like, I don't know why you would use them. He rolls on up to a globe that is there and he moves it to a certain position, uh, putting, uh, putting Seattle straight up North and then spins it around the other way and stops it on Japan. And then the bookcase slides open, revealing a ramp into a subterranean area. Cool. <laughs> right. Uh, and he goes down that way. Oh, I, I follow, follow him. 
<laughs> Secret door. <laughs> uh, everyone roll a perception test for me. Visual. Uh, I'm gonna edge that. All right. Edge of this perception test. Uh, so roll for bad luck. See if you get bad luck. I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, what did everyone else get? <laughs> I got three hits. Three four. hits for Cashmere, four hits for Mouse, and two hits for Bo- Boomer. Mouse, you notice something. Uh, so first off, uh, you all walk into this, uh, this. This ramp goes down. Uh, it immediately it becomes like a cave. Um, you realize you're going underground. And uh, you pull into this well-lit area. Um, there's a very large electronic array of uh, screens um, that all seem to be moder- monitoring different parts of Seattle. Um, and there's a, a chair there, and Pretty B is sitting in it. And where his eyes go, things happen. Cameras change, uh, things zoom in, um, he changes the traffic light to stop some car from hitting an old lady, stuff like that. And uh, he kind of blinks out of it and turns around and stands up when you guys walk in. Um, The floor is stone, and uh, there is a subterranean stream going through, and um, you look to your left, and you see uh, glass cases. Um, Each one with, well, one in particular has a suit of mil-spec armor that has been heavily modified. <laughs> um, next, to this, uh, next to this is an arsenal of weapons. Um, and uh, then you see uh, an empty display case and then uh, a display case of a that it has a mannequin that is wearing a very well uh, tailored dress uh, that is much nicer than what you have, Mouse. And that's saying a lot because your dress is very nice. Uh, but this dress is obviously heavily uh, customized. And uh, next to that one is a bunch of daggers uh, on a display. And then, uh, then there's another mannequin that has um, a suit much like you've seen Pretty Bee wear. Uh, also seems to be heavily customized. And there's two silver pistols on display next to that one. And then uh, the third one has a long flowing dress, um, much more regal looking than uh, the other one. The other one was like a mix between a cocktail dress and a functional like armored dress, right? But this one is like, has a lot more strange things hanging off of it that you wouldn't necessarily expect on a dress. It's almost, it's very elvish in nature. Um, Almost like Sparethian in the fact that it like, it harkens back to the old elves. Um, And uh, next to that one is uh, a staff. And then, like I said, the other display case is empty. And you guys kind of are all taking this in. And Mouse, you notice... uh, next to all of the uh, display cases that have these various suits of armor, mm-hmm. basically, um, there is a framed photograph. And you look at it, and it has four people. Um, it has someone you recognize as Pretty Bee. Mm-hmm. Um, he is sitting there with his arm around a very beautiful woman 
who has dark hair just like him, and uh, they share similar facial features, mm-hmm. probably siblings. Mm-hmm. Uh, then um, behind them, waving, is an elven woman uh, who is wearing, again, like traditional elvish garb, uh, waving and smiling. Mm-hmm. And uh, Pretty Bee has one arm around this this woman next to him, and he's ruffling the hair of a slightly shorter, a younger man uh, who doesn't look related to anybody there. Um, but, you know, they all seem to be happy, uh, while the, the younger man does seem a little bit like, you know, you know, don't ruffle my hair, <laughs> like, you mm-hmm. know, but, like, still, like, having a good time. Okay. And uh, there's a placard underneath it that says uh, it's dated 2057, uh, so 20 years ago. Okay. And... It says Bryn Hawthorne, Anna Hawthorne, Jason Black, and Lariel Silverstein. Okay. And that's it. Okay. Bryn's probably like 18 years old there. Okay. And so Bryn uh, walks up and uh, says, this, and he points at the giant array of screens behind him, this is how I know so much about you. I'm very happy to be able to tell you. <laughs> Do you like it? I-, I made it myself. Yeah, how does it work? You could probably do it. Really? Yeah, it doesn't have a way for you to jack in, but I suppose if you have a data tap, you would be able to. Yeah, I do. Oh, it's in my jacket. (laughs) That's all right. It's probably best not to give you the control yet. Uh, You need to know how it works first. Okay. So uh, everyone's kind of spreading out and looking. Whitmore is staying back right at the edge of the ramp. He just, like, stopped, and you guys just kind of, like, went out awestruck and looking at all these things. If I notice the armor, I am fixated on it. (laughs) Uh, You straight up don't. (laughs) (laughs) No, you see the armor. You think it's great, but you also start looking at some of the other stuff. You're just, it's so much. You're having a hard time soaking it all in. And you see all of the wires and the, like, the, like... All the things that went into making this large, like, 12-foot-tall, 12-foot-wide, like, uh, array of screens. You're running around trying to see how it works. Everything is just, like, and then, like, you're looking at, like, they obviously dug this out, right? They dug out this this cave, and you're trying to figure out how they did it. Did they use explosives? You're not sure. Uh, <laughs> and as you're running around, like, just, like, frantically taking everything in and being, like, I'm coming back to that armor. That armor is amazing, but what else is there? There's so much to see. Uh, you step on a pebble. <laughs> and fall in the stream. <laughs> this is the best place. <laughs> As I climb out of the stream, everything here is wonderful. <laughs> and Whitmore kind of says, it is a bit much, but... No, not at all. <laughs> I thought so too when I was your age. Where are these people? The people in these in this picture, where I mean, you're here, but where's everybody else? Immediately, Whitmore's smile fades, and uh, Pretty B walks up and uh, puts his arm around you, and turns you to like look at the picture, mm-hmm. and he goes, "Well, that's me. That's my sister Enna. The woman in the back is Lariel Silverstein, most powerful mage I've ever seen. She was spectacular, and." Uh, that's Jason Black, an old friend of ours. Was? They're all gone. I'm sorry. Where'd they go? 
They're dead. Oh. But it's okay. They died for what they believed in, and I can respect that. I'm sorry. Do you want to tell me about them? Enna was great with a knife. And uh, he brings you over to that, that uh, black dress with the knives next to it. And, uh, and he goes, and man, could she turn every head in the room when she was wearing this thing. It was spectacular. Great to see. Like I said, Lariel was an amazing, uh, an amazing magician. Uh, she could do things that I had only read about in stories. And uh, this one here, and he points at the mil-spec armor, which Bumbles has pressed his <laughs> wet face against the glass to look at as closely as possible. Uh, this one belonged to... Uh, Lawrence here, Mr. Whitmore. And uh, Whitmore goes, don't, don't try to glorify my foolish younger years. You are the coolest guy. <laughs> <laughs> the armor served me well, to a point. Whitmore's face is also pressed against that same guy. <laughs> <laughs> you both, uh, looking on it, can tell it is custom fit to not your size. I'm inexplicably... Oh, I'm not planning on wearing it. I'm just appreciating it. <laughs> I'm, I'm somewhat inexplicably drawn to the dress with all the accoutrement. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in a way that's making me question a couple things. <laughs> <laughs> um, those were good times. Those were good times. And, and Jason wore whatever was in the empty case? And he, he nods. Jason's armor didn't make it back. He was a great physical adept. Is there a chance he wore a motorcycle helmet? Roll judge intentions. Okay. Anyone except Mouse can roll judge intentions. <laughs> I mean, Mouse, you can. You're just going to get completely different information there. Everyone yeah! Else. <laughs> It'll be fun. Got a one. I got two. Two? Mm-hmm. Uh, I got five. Oh. All right. I got four. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, Cashmere, you're kind of fixated on the dress and the uh, staff that you're looking at. Um, so you don't actually really look at uh, Bryn's face. Um, Boomer, you're also kind of drooling over this mil-spec armor and also the large arsenal of, of weapons next to it. Um, and uh, Mouse, you see unmistakably pain in, uh, in Bryn's eyes, though his face would hide that uh, to most people. He looks, to most, like if Cashmere were to glance over, Bryn looks happy. Bryn always looks happy. Bryn's smiling, and he's, he seems on top of the world every time you see him. But you get a glimpse of just, like, sadness. Like, something's wrong. Bumbles, you can tell, perhaps because you're a practiced hand at this, he's putting on airs. He is acting like he's okay talking about this. He's acting like this is all fun, and he's reminiscing about the good old days. But every word from his mouth is painful to him, and he does not want to talk about this. Right, so tell me about the hub. How'd you make it? Um, it took time. It took time. Uh, Mr. Whitmore here, uh, for all of his, his innovations, uh, and he gestures at the, uh, the mil-spec armor, didn't put the space to a lot of use, and I thought that maybe, uh, maybe I could just add more screens uh, <laughs> and uh, make it overall more functional. Uh, 
Uh, it's actually tapped in to the old Matrix hardlines from before the crash. But I thought they didn't exist. They were fried, but I rebuilt them, some of them, and added, uh, added satellite links to the ends of them wow. so that I could uh, connect to effectively any wireless device in Seattle. That's amazing. It took some time. <laughs> uh, what is the uh, what is the test to roll for crush? Now that I realize he knows how to build things, <laughs> um, <laughs> composure. It would be composure. <laughs> I got three hits. You're feeling something. You, you, you all of a sudden you just look at him and uh, you, your face goes a little flush. I mean, he's always been good looking, but you know, I see that every day. Right. And I wake up. But like, you're. <laughs> um, Take your point of edge back. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, he uh, he uh, looks over and sees your like kind of like open, almost panting mouth. Like, you did all that. <laughs> That's rather incredible. And he smiles and. Oh, very, very warm smile and goes, thank you. Um, and your heart flutters. Uh, <laughs> so, and he claps his hands together. This job, uh, and uh, Whitmore uh, raises his hand and goes, Bryn, if it's all the same to you, I'll sit this one out. Uh, and he goes, of course. Uh, go attend to, y- to your things. And uh, Am I near Boomer at all? Yeah, you're all looking at like the equipment. Okay. I, I, I whisper to him, I feel like we should be asking for much more money. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even care about money. I want one of those. <laughs> uh, Whitmore turns around uh, and uh, says, you're all welcome to stay the night here if you want. Uh, I have the space. And he wheels up out of the hub. Um... And Bryn uh, gestures for you all to follow him over to the uh, screens. And uh, he waves his hand, and the screens uh, black out for a second. And uh, then um, the face of a, of a woman shows up. Uh, 40s, maybe? Um, it's not like an animated face. It is, it is just like a, photo- a photograph of a woman. He uh, gestures towards the photograph and says, This is Agatha Harding. Uh, she is an executive of sorts uh, for Satercrup, uh, the mega corporation. Uh, she's a labor official, more specifically. Um, I'm sorry, that's the German dragon one. Yes, cool. uh, Lofir, the uh, uh, mm-hmm. the, dra- the great dragon, is the CEO. Sweet. She's not a good person. She makes a habit of uh, allowing certain factories that she oversees to do away with the legally mandated requirements as far as loss of life, gainful compensation for their employees, as well as reasonable work hours and reasonable expectations. And in order for them to buy her favor, they give her bribes, and she willingly takes them and turns a blind eye to obviously fraudulent uh, paykeeping, and general inhuman treatment of the employees. Unfortunately, she's more or less untouchable. Taking her down specifically would bring all sorts of 
things we simply cannot handle, even with the four of you newly, uh, newly acquired. However, we want her to know that someone's watching her, and we want her to know that not every bribe she takes is going to remain in her possession. To that end, she will be hosting a gala that's a fundraiser for the Astral Preservation Society. Ooh, that sounds good. And it's being held at her estate. What in the astral space are they preserving? You would have heard of them, being a mage, magical okay. traditions and all that. Uh, the Astral Preservation Society, um, basically, you know how there's things like background counts? Um, mm. uh Certain actions can harm astral space. Oh, as, they like rejuvenate, right? Like, they they rejuvenate, yeah. As, like troubled astral areas, exactly. And they try to place sanctions on uh, certain areas, like making them astral preserves, um, oh. so that like obviously poisonous, like bad factories can't be made there. That's sort um, of ironic. <laughs> because uh, because they would they would like by tearing apart the nature in that area it would damage mm-hmm. sure. uh, the Gaia sphere essentially in that area. Um, so yeah, they, that's what they do. Uh, they also have been doing a tremendous amount of good in Chicago, which is still extremely potent as far as astral space goes after uh, the bug infestation. Yes, my mother told me about it. Um, she could feel it as far south as Missouri. <laughs> Um, so that's that's what they that's what the Astral Preservation Society does. Well, that's good. That's a, a mark for her. She's getting more in bribes than she is in fundraising. Oh well, that's she should be fundraising with those bribes. <laughs> she should be, but she's not. Right, corporate. That makes sense. Uh, this event is taking place at her estate. Beneath that estate is a vault where she keeps some of her. More exotic bribes. Uh, she recently acquired a set of awakened paintings <gasps> from an art uh, made by a sinless artist uh, who lives in Redmond, an up-and-coming artist. Uh, and he brings up another image. It's a young woman, a uh, human. She looks like what you would expect like a 20-something artist to look like. She's got colored hair. She's got some piercings. She's got some tattoos. Have I ever seen her before? Where would you have seen her before? You just said she was from Redmond. Yeah. I used to live there and have photographic memory. Um... Uh, no. You have not seen her before. Okay. Um, she's, she's very pretty, uh, and in the picture, uh, she looks like a nice person. Uh, the picture comes up, and he goes, This is Searsha Dermeyer. She's an up-and-coming artist. Uh, she recently created uh, these these paintings, um, which were immediately taken from her. Uh, they were stolen from her. Basically, she was evicted from her landlord, um, who happens to also be one of the managers at one of the factories that Agatha oversees. And after the wrongful eviction, most of her uh, possessions were taken, including these paintings, which were shortly thereafter given to Agatha as a bribe to allow this man to sweep the deaths of three of his employees under the table. I'm sorry, what's an awakened painting? It varies. Searsha's talent lies in creating images that animate and move. Ooh. 
the paint moves around and mixes on the uh, on the canvas to create a scene in motion. Oh God, she's also very talented. That's <laughs> so good for her. That's ooh, wow. What are these paintings of? Landscapes mostly. Oh, okay. There are two paintings in this vault. I'm in the process of securing an invitation for you to go to this gala event, at which I want you to enter her basement, penetrate the vault, and steal the paintings out from under her. Yes, I will do this. Awesome. Let us know when we're leaving. The event's not for another couple weeks. I'll have the invitation by then, and you four will have a job. Fantastic. I look forward to it. And so, uh, I'm sorry, is our pay, does she have money in the vault that you wanted us to take as our pay, or will you be paying us? We'll be paying you. Uh, You should leave whatever else is in the vault. Um, First, because of practicality. Uh, Taking it all out without being noticed would be rather hard. Uh, In addition to that, we can't guarantee that everything in there is stolen, and we can't guarantee that everything in there is safe. You do want us to get in and out with the paintings without anyone noticing. Correct. I want her to go down and look at her beautiful paintings in her vault, her stolen paintings, and find nothing. How subtle do we have to be? The more subtle the four of you are in your work for us, the better it is. Okay, I will scrap the plans for a drill on spot. <laughs> Do that. Do that, Bumbles. <laughs> look, look, mate, it doesn't mean you don't. It doesn't mean you can't build one. Like Mr. Whitmore said, the four of you are welcome to stay here um, for as long as you like. We're mostly out, uh, or I'm here. Um, or you're welcome to go back to wherever you want. You can go out. You, the four of you were going to go out for drinks, uh, and I so rudely interrupted. Um, but while you're out, I don't want to scare you, but be vigilant. Yeah, I was going to ask, is it safe for me to go home? I would think so. Maybe not to your safe house. That's fine. It's a shithole. <laughs> um, but yes... I I don't have reason to believe that Havoc 66 has found their way to you, as far as learned of your existence at all, but their leader is a rather skilled decker and is more often than not able to find things out in ways that I find unsettling. Oh, so Hellion's a decker? Yes. Oh. Uh, all right. Do you want to come with us? To... Spirits and Spirits! (laughs) Or somewhere else. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, I have work to do here. Okay. Maybe next time. And, uh, I wouldn't mind unwinding for a bit. Yes, I think that would be great. We can discuss our payment when you give us the invitations. Uh, Let's not ruin this amazing scene in front of us with all the petty little details. 
we'll talk about payment when the job is set. Sounds delightful to me. Uh, he walks you guys up out of the hub, uh, closes the secret door behind, uh, leads you to the door, and uh, shakes each of your hands. I look forward to working with you some more. Likewise, Boomer. The f- four of you get in spot and head out for a celebratory drink or seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I'll take That's us only to... single digits. <laughs> I'll take us to spirits and spirit. Woo! <laughs> you loved spirits and spirits, and you know it. Factually incorrect. This isn't, this isn't the dragon's den. <laughs> oh, does anyone want to go to the dragon's den? Oh. Fine, we'll go to spirits and spirits. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> All right, next time we're going to the dragon's den. Rolling it now. Maybe. <laughs> uh, the four of you pull up, park nearby spirits and spirits. You go, have a bunch of drinks, do a bunch of karaoke. Uh, it actually is Fancy Friday at Spirits and Spirits. Hey-o. So the four of you fit right in. Uh, <laughs> uh, you're, you're all looking you're all looking about uh, on the same level as everyone else, uh, but a little bit better, especially you, Mouse. Because um, <laughs> uh, everyone there is like a little bit fancy, but also a little bit just like mundane. All of you are more fancy than them. Technically, most of the place is awakened. Yep. And not mundane. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, <laughs> we will end tonight's session. <laughs> it was great stuff today, man. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. yeah, the part where we're working for Batman is particularly great. Oh, yeah. yeah. This podcast has been brought to you by ENPC Productions. All rights reserved. The Essential NPCs podcast is not affiliated with, endorsed, sponsored, or specifically approved by the Tops Company Incorporated. Shadowrun is a trademark of the Tops Company Incorporated. All rights reserved. Go to www.shadowruntabletop.com for more information.